Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. You can listen and hear the reading of God's Word tonight. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. Praise the Lord. Amen. I believe the Lord's just changed the message tonight, and so we'll just look afresh just at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and just ask for His help as we come just to open our hearts. I believe we are we are at the verge we are on the crest of the wave. We are at the edge. Uh, we are in the last days and we are in tremendous days. But the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. He's coming soon. I believe that the Spirit of God wants to speak to our hearts, your heart, my heart tonight. Everyone in this room, whether you're saved or not saved, that the Lord wants to speak into our hearts to be ready, be prepared for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Let us read it together. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. Father, as it's been prayed, bless your word tonight. Give us hearts that are open and ears that hear. Speak, Lord, with a voice that wakes the dead. Oh, we thank you there is a voice that wakens men out of sleep and slumber. Lord, we pray tonight that by the power of the Spirit of God, Lord, just like when you rose and walked in Jerusalem, the graves of the saints of old were opened. And men who were dead for centuries walked. Oh, we pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd waken men and raise them out of the graves of sin and death tonight. We thank you for the resurrection and the power. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the authority in your word. We thank you for the name that's above every name. Oh, God, tonight speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house tonight. While they look steadfastly up. While they look steadfastly up. What a moment that was in the ascension. The ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. The Son of God, born of a virgin, came into this world. Born of that virgin Mary, brought into this world by the power of the Holy Ghost. Willingly came the Son of the living God, the eternal Son, sent by the eternal Father into this sin-cursed world to die on that old rugged cross where he was nailed and a crown of thorns upon his head. And there as he hung shamefully and openly for all the world to see a spectacle, but the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of God, hanging on that cross. And as he cried on that, on that final cry out of seven, he cried these words, It is finished. The Bible tells us that the veil of that temple, that great veil in that temple, was rent from the very top to the bottom. We thank God in that moment as Christ cried out those words that the work of salvation, the mission of Christ, was completely finished and accomplished through the death and the resurrection of our Lord. Three days later, we know that he rose triumphant o'er the grave. Those disciples went to seek him in that tomb, but that tomb, praise the Lord, was empty. 
That great angel come down and rolled back that stone and sat upon that stone. And we thank God as they came to seek out after this Christ. He was not in the tomb. He is not here, for he is risen. Thank God that he is risen indeed. We praise God for the resurrection tonight. And this Christ, as he appeared unto those disciples, trembling and fearful in that upper room, and he came and he met with them. Some doubted him. Some questioned that others had seen him. But he appeared unto Thomas. He said, Thomas, look at my hands. Look at those nail-pierced hands that were pierced for you. Thomas, look at my side. Put in your hand and feel the place where that spear from that Roman soldier was driven up through the side and into the heart of God himself. And his heart was broken for this world that is so plunged in the depth of sin and shame. And Thomas put his hand in those nail-pierced hands. And Thomas put his hand in that side that was riven. And Thomas stood before him. And the Lord said to him, Blessed, because you have seen, but blessed are they that have not seen, but yet believe. And he rose, and he conquered death. And he rose, and he conquered sin. And he rose, and he conquered the devil. And he rose, and he conquered every demon of hell. And he rose triumphant o'er the grave. What a mighty God. God we serve tonight. Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He appears here in these final few moments of his glorified body upon this earth. And as he appears and brings and gathers those, those disciples like lambs being led by the shepherd up to that mountain, they were, must have been filled with awe and glory as the glorified Christ was among them. They could touch him. They could eat with him. They could commune with him. He met them on that shore and gave them breakfast. And he told them of that love and the commission that he would give them. But here he's about to depart out of Jerusalem. And he leads them up that glorious mount if there's one place I would like to visit it is the Mount of Olives because I believe it's a significant place in prophecy it's a significant place in the historical account of the Lord Jesus Christ because one day, one day friends this Christ who left that mountain will come again and the feet of Jesus Christ will touch down on that mountain and that mountain will open and the rocks will tremble and men will cry as this king of glory comes. And as he leads those men and those women who loved him dearly right up to that mountain. And they look upon him. And as he turned to them, they see as he is caught up into that cloud. He went up into that cloud out of their sight into glory. What a moment that must have been in all of, in all of eternity as the king of glory enters in through the gates again as the king of glory. And as they cry in the Psalms, we believe it's the Ascension Psalm. There was a cry, we were talking about the choir in heaven, but as he came through the gates, the King of Glory, the angels and the hosts cried out, Who is the King of Glory? He's the Lord God Almighty, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he enters in with the everlasting covenant, that's the blood that he had shed, and he goes before the throne of his Father, and he presents himself as the sacrifice that is complete and presents himself as that priest, that high priest for his saints and he sat down 
over all the parts of hell and darkness. Thank God there's an authority over every demon and over every part of darkness. And his name is Jesus tonight. And there he sits, praise the Lord, ruling and reigning. And everything is subject to him and everything is under his feet tonight. He is the lamb. He is worthy tonight of our praise. There is nobody like Jesus, the king of glory upon that throne. The disciples stood after those three years of wonderful ministry. They seen him. They seen him heal the sick. They seen him deliver the oppressed. They seen him set the prisoner free. He opened blinded eyes. He healed the leper. He opened deaf and ears. Cripples were raised out of wheelchairs and out of, out of crutches. And the lame walked and they rejoiced. He raised the dead. He fed the multitude. He wept with those that mourned. And yet, friend, he was heading all the way to Calvary. There was a time it was appointed. He said, the God of this world is nothing on me. But there was a time appointed that he would draw that old devil out of that cage and bring him to that cross. And when the devil and the hosts of hell believed that they had won the day, friends, I thank God tonight on the third day, the Spirit of the Lord raised him up. He conquered death and hell and the demonic host. And now they are with the Lord as they go out just to that mount. And their hearts just must have been so rejoicing because they'd come to a place, they'd seen his death, they'd seen the failure of their own lives, they'd seen everything that had happened. And now as he leads them out to that mountain, he is telling them of what's going to happen. He warns them of what's going to happen and he comforts them with the promise that's coming, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. Tarry ye in Jerusalem, he said, until you be endued with power from on high. There's a power that's coming. I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll not leave you abandoned. I'll not leave you to your own devices. I'll come to you by the power of my spirit. I'll fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'll send you out into this world by the power of the spirit of God. Now as they approach that mount, and they're gathered round the Lord. The Bible says in our reading tonight as he spoke these things. While they beheld, he was taken up. Just at that moment, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. He was gone. In a moment, he was gone. And as they stood, it's a, it's a profound moment. But as they stood and they looked... And as they wandered, as he had gone up into glory and disappeared, it tells us here that as they steadfastly toward heaven looked, two men stood by them in white apparel. Two men, two angels were dispatched from heaven to come down the earth, to stand by this waiting host, to speak words to them of hope, the hope of his coming again. And they said unto them, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. This same Jesus. This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. The ascension of Christ was witnessed by 
We believe certainly the disciples, there might have been some of the women there also, but certainly the disciples of the Lord, a small bunch of people on the Mount of Olives, just on the edge of the city of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But could I tell you, friends, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be witnessed by the whole world. Just a small group of fishermen, just a small group of ordinary men and women witnessed the ascension. But can I tell you, friends, that every boy and every girl and every man and every woman and every person in this room and every person in Balnehinch and every person from every tribe and every tongue and every nation all across this globe are going to witness the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not have been at the ascension, but you will see the second coming of the Lord. You may not have been there and reading this story tonight, this historical account of the ascension of Christ. It might be difficult for you to comprehend. You might be struggling to understand it. You might be struggling to say whether that be true or not. But I want to tell you, friend, listen carefully. It's true. And number two, you are going to witness the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you turn over with me into Revelation, sorry, into the book of Jude, the Bible says these words, the little book before the end, the little book before the end. This is what the Bible says in Jude in verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, listen carefully, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. What? An appearance. What an appearance. He ascended that day himself in the glory. As those disciples looked up, it was the Lord and those nail pierced feet lifted off that mountain as heaven waited for the entrance of the King of glory who himself took our sin upon his body as he entered up into the realms of glory. What a moment that was. He himself entered in. It was he himself who died on the cross. It was he himself that became our lamb. It was Christ alone that died for us. It was Christ that finished the work. It was Christ that shed his blood. It was Christ that gave his back to the smiters. It was Christ that gave his head to a crown of thorns. It was Christ that finished the work. It was Christ that rose again triumphant. It was Christ that ascended. And it's Christ that comes back but with the Bible says, ten thousands, plural, of his saints. What a day that's going to be. Your loved ones that have died in Christ all through the history, all through the history of faith, all those that have died in Christ and give their heart to Jesus Christ, and you have stood at their grave, and you have went to their funeral, and you have wept the tears over that loved one that is gone. But friends, what a day this is going to be when he comes with a sense of glory to gather this church. What an hour, what a moment when he comes with ten thousands of his saints. Think of all the saints of old that are coming with him. Think of the great champions of faith. Think of the Wesleys and the Pauls and the Amy Carmichaels and all the great saints that we read of and we testify of and they come with the Lord in the air with a great cry and with a great shout and the shout of the archangel and the trump of the Lord. 
And then the dead in Christ will rise. What does that mean? The saints are coming with them, but the dead in Christ rise. Behold, I show you a mystery. But what happens all across this globe, whether it be in the seas, whether it be in the graves, whether they've been cremated, whether they've been burnt at the stake in that great time of the counter-reformation, all those saints, those glorified bodies are going to be brought out of the dust of the earth. And out of, out of the seas and they're going to be caught up and there's a new body for those saints. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we have to comfort ourselves with these words. Behold, he comes. Behold, the Lord comes. Let that sink into your heart tonight. Behold, the Lord comes. Listen, friend, tonight, behold, the Lord comes. Let me ask you a question. Let your understanding of where you are with God, where you are in your faith, whether you're saved or whether you're lost. But know this, there is a moment that we are on the verge of experience. I believe it's possible, very possible, most likely, but I'm not sure because I don't know. But it is very likely that in this generation, that we will see the coming of the Lord. The same Jesus, listen very carefully, the same Jesus that ascended off that mount 2,000 years ago. This world is not going to end because of climate change. This world is not going to end. Friends, they're all lies. This world is not going to end with a nuclear bomb. They're talking about we're on collision, a humongous collision with another galaxy is about to implode with our It's not going to end with another galaxy bumping into our galaxy. It's going to end when the king of glory comes bursting through the clouds. There's an end to this. There's an end to all of this. This mess, this commotion. This world that's in turmoil, there's an end. Listen carefully, there's an end, friend. There's a day when he comes. There's an hour when he bursts through the clouds. Oh, friend, listen, listen carefully. The Bible says, behold, behold, the Lord cometh. He cometh. What does that mean to you? What do you comprehend? What do you think when you hear the words that the Lord cometh? The Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Verse 15 says these words. This is very important because I want you to understand what happens when the Lord comes. The Bible says in verse 15 of Jude, to execute judgment upon all to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I want you to hear it again. Listen very carefully. What happens when he comes? What happens when he bursts through the clouds? What happens if tonight the Lord would come? What happens at that moment? He's coming to execute 
judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I want you to listen carefully, very carefully in these few moments. The judgment is at the door. The judgment is at the door. You need to listen very carefully because as you are listening to these words and whatever your reaction to that is, is so crucial because it determines your eternity. It determines where you'll spend eternity. You see, what happens and what is happening is that God records every word that is spoken. God records every thought that is thought. God records every act that is acted out. God records every ungodly word and ungodly act and every ungodly thought and every word that is spoken against him. And in that moment, there is an execution of the judgment. It's called God's great judgment day. Now, there's some people have a very blasé approach to this because they think, well, who cares? I'll live whatever way I want to live. I'll do what I want to do. I'll just get there one day. I don't mind. I've heard people say it to me, I'll go to hell with everybody else as long as my friends are there. You have no idea what you're saying. You have no idea what you're saying. God is coming. Jesus Christ is coming and coming soon. But when he comes, he comes to execute judgment upon this earth. If God should take the breath away from your lungs tonight, the Bible says it is appointed on the man once to die and after this, the judgment. I want to tell you what men are saying in hell tonight. I want you to hear me. I want to tell you what men are saying in hell tonight. They're saying, would someone please go and tell them, tell them what this place is like. Would you go and tell them that they don't want to be here? Would you go and tell them that there's no mercy here? Would you go and tell them that the fire never stops here? Would you go and tell them that there's torment here? Would you go and tell them that they don't want to come to this place? That's the cry that comes out of hell tonight, friend. It is appointed on the man once to die, and after this, it's the judgment. And so you've heard the gospel. There isn't a man or a woman or a boy or a girl in this room that have not heard the gospel. You've heard of God's way of salvation. You know that he died on the cross. You know that he came to save you and save you from your sin. You know that you must repent and give your life to Jesus. But in the deception of the God of this world, you've said, no, I'll live my life. I'll do what I want. I'll go my own way. Friends, I want to tell you something. Listen carefully. It is not God's will that you perish. It is not God's will that you go to a lost eternity. This is not an hour for debates. It's not an hour for having a debate about whether it's true or not. It's true, and Jesus is coming. Behold, he is at the door. Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. The king is coming. 
The king is coming. I wonder tonight, friend, I wonder if the Lord burst through the clouds tonight. There was such a sense of the pregnancy of that thought in our worship tonight that he is coming so soon. There was a real sense that the door, he is at the door and the door is about to open and the king is about to come. There was an urgency in the spirit tonight in that meeting. And I could also tell you this, friend, there was a conflict in the spirit. There was a conflict in the spirit because the enemy would seek to hold your soul and hold you captive. That you would not be free and set free from the power of sin and the power of Satan. He wants to hold you in a place to take you to a lost eternity. But Jesus has come that you might be free. There is a conflict. I know this in my own spirit tonight, but there is a conflict in this meeting. There are principalities and there's powers and there's wickedness that is against this meeting and for the seed and the power of God to to reach into a soul tonight and set a man or a woman free. There is a conflict in this room. There is a real spiritual conflict that's taking place all around us tonight. I'm not saying that in an emotional sense. I'm saying that in the reality that there's a tangible sense of demonic powers and forces that are against this room to hold men and women in their sin. We are not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. But the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. There is demonic forces in this room that are holding men in their sin. But there is a blood tonight that was shed in Calvary that breaks the power of sin and sets the captive free. But there is a real battle for a soul in this room tonight. That is the sense in my heart. I don't know it all fully, but there is a sense. There's a warfare. There's a spiritual warfare. This is not just a message, but this is a warfare against the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. That God is here to translate someone out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his own dear son. And there's a battle for that. And the urgency is the king is coming. The urgency is tonight that Christ is about to come. And there are many faces in this room. It's not whether you like me or not. It's nothing to do with my personality or yours. What we're concerned about is your soul. Your eternal soul. And the king is coming. And the earth is groaning for the king to return. And Christ is about to break through the clouds in all His splendor and all His glory. You know it's more than a song, it's a reality. It's a reality. And in that moment, when it says that the marketplace is empty, the builders put down their tools. When we sing these songs, do you know what we're singing? There's a moment when it ends. We're to labor while it is day, but the night's coming. Do you know that there's a moment when time will cease no more? When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. The dead in Christ will rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Many years ago there was an old movie called Left Behind. The quality wasn't very good. But the message was potent. The message was potent. 
It maybe didn't display it very good. The actors maybe weren't very good. But friends, the reality of it is this. Now when he comes bursting through those clouds, one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two shall be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. There's a separation. There's a separation. Friends, tonight this is serious. This is not just a Sunday night meeting. This is not just another get-together. We are on the verge of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are many that are not ready. Keen is coming. What will he do? He will convince and execute judgment upon all. Convince all the ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds of what they've ungodly committed, of all their hard speeches. Oh God, have mercy. Have mercy. Their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Many years ago, Trish and Steve, my mom will know, Brian will know this man. Many years ago, there was a man that I met I was coming out of a post office. He was coming out. It was during the day. He was coming out of the off license. He'd come to church. He'd gone through the meetings. He'd made a decision when he was younger. I'm not judging the man's soul. I'm just telling you very carefully. Listen carefully. Now as I come out of that post office, you know what a divine appointment is. I believe it was a divine appointment. Now as I walked out of the post office in Dramart Square in Beaver Park, The doors are parallel to each other and we just walk straight into each other face to face. The man had already a lot of drink on him. And he'd been to the meetings and he'd stood and he'd wanted to try to live for Christ, but his unfortunate, his heart wasn't fully surrendered to the Lord at that time. He went back on the drink and he was full drunk. And we bumped into each other and I said to him, what are you doing? It always reminds me of this verse of the hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. He began to speak against the Lord. You know, are you grieved when you hear them speak of the Lord in the way that they do? Christian, are you grieved? It grieves you when they take his name in vain. It grieves you when they mock him. It grieves you when they say all manner of things against him. And he began to speak in anger against the Lord. I said to him, don't do that. Please don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Don't speak of the Lord that way. Don't talk that way. He cursed and he cursed me. doesn't matter about what he said to me. He cursed and he cursed me and he cursed God. And I turned and he seen him as he walked across the car park towards his flat with his bag of liquor heading into the flat again. Friends, listen, three weeks later, he was found at the bottom of his stairs with a broken neck. Three weeks later, he was gone. I have no idea. I'm not his judge. But I want to tell you something tonight, friend. We are dealing with serious matters. You might think you've got your life sorted out and what you're going to do and where you're going to go and how you're going to live and continue living in your ungodly deeds. But I want to tell you something, friend. One day you're going to stand before that great white throne. 
Sitting on that throne is the king of glory, the judge of all the earth, Jesus Christ. And there's no place to hide. There's no place to hide. What a day that's going to be when the king comes through the gate. We're on the verge of the end. It's evident. The prophecies are being fulfilled. The king is about to come. And what about you? You know, we sang that song tonight, praise God, he's coming for me. Is he coming for you? Would you say amen if he's coming for you? Isn't it great to know that he's coming for you? You know, when I was singing that song, and every time I do sing it, Davey mentioned him. You can't think about, but think about Bob King. Standing on that platform, dressed immaculate, a son of God, a voice, not just a great voice, but, boy, an anointed voice. And that great tone began to come. The marketplace is empty. Do you know, it was such an honor and a privilege, David, to stand around that bed as that old saint and all his family gathered in around that bed. As that old saint was fighting for his last few breaths and the king comes through the door. And as we prayed, the angels of God came down to gather up God's servant and they carried him home. And I looked at David and David says, brother, he's gone. And all the family were sitting there, all of them, to witness that he had gone home promoted to glory. He's gone through those gates. And I tell you what, if the king was to ask anyone or the archangel for anyone to sing, I would say, Bob, they're going to ask him. The king's coming. You can nearly hear him tonight. He's coming for me. Is he coming for you? Is he coming for you? Is he coming for you, friend? The king's coming. Praise the Lord, he's coming for me. Let's pray together.